Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Hello, and welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'm bringing Rachel Rosenthal. She's an organizing expert, founder of Rachel & Company, a Washington, D.C.-based professional organizing firm, and above all, she's a mom to two identical twin girls. I met Rachel during a Hey Mama panel while we were talking about side hustles, and I'm so excited to bring her on the show today to dive deeper into life and business. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I am very, very excited to be here. Well, so I know you've had a crazy year, but I want to start with what is your biggest win of the last week? It could be a mom win, a personal win. What is your biggest win? That's a really good question. I think it is going to be a personal win. I have been trying to do a little bit more self-care for myself because I'm normally putting myself last, which is not great. So I went in my, we have a sauna in our basement and I went in the sauna for four out of the seven days. So I think that is a win. Oh, (laughs) wow. I took some time, just 20 minutes each time, but took some time for myself and that felt really good. What does self-care look like to you? Like what do, what are the things that you enjoy doing? I, well, a lot of the things actually that I enjoy doing, I haven't been doing because of the pandemic, but I like to get my nails done, which I haven't done in a while. I like to go on walks, not be distracted, hang out with my family. I find travel very relaxing, just nurturing for my soul and being with family again. also haven't been able to do that, but those are some of the things I love and do for my own self-care. And so identical twin girls, and I know they're teenagers, give me a little bit about your current family structure and some context for the audience so they know what does it look like right now with work and kids? Family structure right now is identical twin girls, Ellie and Marin, and then I am married to my wonderful husband, John. He is the girl's stepfather, but we have been together and married for about five years or six years now. And then we have a sheepadoodle who is two years old named Poppy. So uh, they, everyone keeps me busy. And then I run a, you know, I would like to say more than full-time business called Rachel and Company, which is this professional organizing firm. So, you know, on a daily basis, my kids right now still are in uh, virtual school. My husband's working from home. We are all working, you know, throughout the day. So just like everybody else, managing and trying to get through the day. And, you know, I think now we're thriving a lot more than we were when this whole thing started a year ago. So do both of you work then all day at home? Like who's with the kids if they're doing distance learning? Like how do you structure kind of your day? Yes. So we are both at home. (laughs) My husband's on the bottom floor with one daughter. My other daughter's on the middle floor and I'm in my office on the top floor. And so both of us work all day. However, we break down, you know, who the meal. So for example, my husband does breakfast and lunches and I do dinners. You know, we have take different responsibility for who takes care of the dog throughout the day. They're 13. So they are pretty self-sufficient. You know, I always say, I feel for those people who have younger kids who like have to sit there on the computers with their children right now. But our girls are pretty self-sufficient, which makes it that much easier. 
easier. It's just the after school <laughs> stuff. So th- because they can't be with their friends or be doing the sports that they want to be doing right now. Yeah. Do you have any support at home besides you and your husband, or is it just you two managing it? It is just us two managing it. And, you know, we've had help over the years with nannies and babysitters and stuff like that, but it is just us right now. Wow. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your company because I was shocked to hear, well, not shocked, but pleasantly surprised to hear that like your best year of business was 2020. And during the pandemic, a lot of businesses closed or had to pivot dramatically. So let's go back to the beginning because you didn't start off in the organizing world. Where were you 15 years ago, pre-kids? What did your life look like then? Yes, it looked very different (laughs) than it does now. I like to say that's BC before children, but I went to law school. I went from college and I went straight to law school and I said, you know what? I want to be a lawyer. My father's a lawyer. My mom encouraged me not to go, but I went to law school and I found my education to be wonderful. I loved it. And I thought I wanted to practice law, but then realized, you know what? I'm going to be sitting at my desk for every meal. I'm going to get stomach aches and decided what can I do with my sort of type A personality. And organizing was not a thing at all. When I started, there was no HGTV. There were no shows. There was nothing. So when I pivoted, I spoke directly between the uh, context of how do you manage your time and your physical spaces? And I went into law firms and talked about that. So that's how I started. And from there, wait, I have a question. Like, where did the organizing stuff like begin? Like, did you always like doing it as a kid? And you also said something that I want to ask. You said my stomach hurt at my desk. Yeah, I (laughs) It was stressful. I think now that's not to say I'm not stressed in my business right now. I'm just stressed for other reasons. But I think when you are not feeling great, you know, as a lawyer, you have to bill your time every few minutes are for different clients. And, you know, on Sundays, it was just getting that feeling like this is just not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. When I have children, you know, I don't, I knew what the path of a lawyer working in a law firm looked like, especially here in the DC area, there's tons of us, but that didn't mean I had to take the same path, you know, with them. And people thought I was absolutely crazy to start something. And when I looked for things that I could do, I knew things that I didn't want to do. My list was huge when, what I could do. And then I just started saying, okay, well, maybe this is a business. Maybe I can go into people's homes and not just talk at law firms and talk about the connection between the physical stuff that you have and the emotional well-being that I could give you or how productivity comes with managing your time or managing your space. And so it developed at nights, it developed on the weekends. And then I was like, you know what, this is a thing. People, when I started said, what is a professional organizer? They just thought, you know what, you're a glorified housekeeper. You are a housekeeper. People didn't understand. And I just kept saying, you know what, let me show you what the results are. Let me show you how you're going to feel, how your house is going to look, how your desk is going to feel, how you're going to get a better productivity evaluation at work. And from there, people just kept talking and kept talking. And then there was some press. And then I'm like, you know what, this is a business. And it started and it was a a little before my children were born, where I like really started to play with it. And then of course, timing of having twins, but I put my business on hold and kind of gave it to someone else and then came back on the ground running uh, as soon as I could. At what point did you actually leave your law firm? And at what point did you feel like comfortable doing it? It was it like you were financially stable, so you could do it. Like what I think for a lot of us, like it's hard to make that leap. It's hard to just take, I guess, a leap of faith in yourself 
and feel comfortable. And especially you had twins, you had kids, you know, they were dependent on you. Yeah. So I think, so I actually jumped ship before they, they came like right before they came. And so, but you know what? I always say like, I had no, I'm like not the person to ask, but I had really no, I mean, I had a business plan, but not a true business plan. Cause I had gone to law school. I always say I should have become, you know, gone to business school, but you know what? I made a jump based on emotion, which is not very practical. Right. So I, I felt like, you know what, when am I ever going to be financially stable? If I want to have children one day, then the money's going to go to the children. Like, what am I going to feel good about it? And then I just decided, you know what, I have to try. If I don't, if it doesn't succeed, I can go back. That's always a possibility. And I think a lot of people forget that. I feel like they think it's black or white and there's no sort of options in between, but there was a chance for me to go back. And maybe it was to a different firm or a different, you know, to the government or whatever it was. But I just said, you know what, I'm going to try it and see how it goes. And then from there, give myself some grace, some time, see if it works. And it took off. And so then I was like, I'm never going back. (laughs) But I always have in the back of my mind on really rough days of, because owning a business, as you know, is no small task, but you know, would I ever go back to being a lawyer? And the answer is probably no. Actually it is no, it is no. no it's not. <laughs> I think you made a good point though. And by the way, it's not bad advice to jump on emotion because that means you truly kind of believe in it and you're so passionate about it. And I think it gets the stigma of like, Oh, don't just pursue your passions. Don't just do this, like have a backup plan. But I mean, technically your backup plan was you could always go back to be a lawyer. You can always do something like that. So you did have an actual plan, but I think that like gives a lot of motivation for other people out there that like, don't be afraid. And you're right. There's never a good time. Like you're always going to have something. So if you really want it, just go for it. Yeah. I mean, I look, I think a lot of people thought I was crazy and, you know, I just said, I wasn't happy doing what I loved. And yes, I was helping people, but in a different way than I am right now. And I was not in control of my life. I felt like, you know, I'm going to work, I'm working nine to five. I'm sure that's how a lot of entrepreneurs feel where then if you work for yourself, it's a lot different. I work more than nine to five now, but it's, uh, it's for my own business. It's for my own reasons versus someone else. And again, it's a very hard jump. People thought I was nuts. I'm sure people still think I'm nuts. Maybe, you know, 13 years later, 14 years later, but it was the right move for me. And it was scary. I'm not going to lie. It was scary. There have been many years in business where I have felt unsure. And why did I do this? But, you know, again, after last year, I'm like, you know what, if we can do this during a pandemic and come out on top in our best year, we, the sky's the limit. So let's talk about that. Actually, what do you think are the top three things that were key things that you did in your business to make it successful last year? Okay. So first things first is I did not pivot in like a knee jerk reaction because I knew my ideal client. So our client here in the Washington DC area and where we travel is a client that wants us to come in and do it for them. So they want us to move them. They want us to bring product. They want us to design their closets and all that. And I saw a lot of organizers who were quickly pivoting to online services and virtual services because everyone was now at home. And I just kind of sat back and said, you know what, that's not my ideal client. And that might be fine for those other organizers. But for me and my business, I knew I can't do that because that would be starting a whole different business, which I didn't want to do. And I knew was not going to continue, you know, forever, obviously with the pandemic, but I didn't make a quick pivot. And I think that was good in that I just didn't rush into a decision in terms of creating a different service or, you know, finding a different clientele. So that was, I think the first thing. So, but on that note, because you have a very in-person type of business, a very hands-on, I mean, you're in people's physical homes. 
a lot of people were scared. They wouldn't even go to the grocery store. So was that a barrier at all? Or were these ideal clients, people who are like, I don't really care. Like, I want her to come in here. We'll be as safe as possible. Like, or did you get a lot of people who were like, I'm not sure. Like, I don't want you in my house. And so we stopped for a little bit because it was regulated by, you know, all the states we work in DC, Maryland, Virginia, and we couldn't physically go in and my team wasn't going to go in and, you know, everything was too scary at the point. Uh, What we did do is pivot in a way that we worked with embassies here and we worked more under project management and construction. So then we didn't have to, it was sort of categorized as something different and we could work under the construction management stuff. And I was doing a lot of closet design where I didn't necessarily need to go into their homes. And then all these clients waited for us. And so when we finally said, you know, we're opening back up, our team might be smaller for a little bit, but we're opening back up. When we got the go ahead, it was like the floodgates opened because, you know, everyone had been home. And then, you know, in terms of me pivoting, I was at home. So I started doing a lot more stuff, talking to people online, doing series with people online, and then just working on my business versus in it, because I had this opportunity to like sort of pause and say, all right, how's our website functioning? How are the client procedures functioning? And really fine tune things to make sure that when we did go back up and running, we were like ready to go. Because again, even in, you know, 13 years in businesses, there's always tweaks to be made. I feel like there's always a learning experience to be had. And so I was just saying, you know what, this is what I'm going to do during this time. And then what was, I think the third thing. Do you think? So like Uh, we have, you didn't pivot. You worked on kind of fixing all the tweaking, the business, working on the business versus in it. What else do you think made it so successful? That's a good question. I think just listening to clients more, not that we didn't before, but like really listening to them and their needs and saying, how can I serve their needs while we're still at home? I also then got COVID. And so I, you know, it was horrendous. And so I then just decided, you know what, I need to take some time off because I actually was going, 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 going. And I think the business, i.e. me too, needed some time for a break. So not that the pandemic came at a great time. It never is going to come at a great time. I don't think anyone can categorize it that, but it allowed me to take some time for myself to make sure I was healthy enough and, you know, ready and, you know, emotionally better to take a break as well, because we can only go for so long before we run out of steam. And that also will impact the business. So I think taking that time, even though I wasn't a choice, I was in my room actually for a month. So. Oh my goodness. How did your family manage? How did your business manage? I mean, I assume you have a great team, but what are kind of the things I think that allowed you to step back for a month? And have it keep going. So it was very, it was nerve wracking because I'm not good as I think I mentioned even in the beginning, good at taking care of myself. And this was, I mean, my husband just yelling at me, you need to do this. You need your job right now is not your business. It's not to raise your family and take care of us. It is to get better. And so I had to, and I was not, cause I was stubborn, but then I got so sick that there was no other choice really. And so I had to relinquish everything and just my husband learned how to cook, you know, much better. He took care of the children. One of my daughters ended up getting COVID. We were quarantined in different places. I mean, it was, it was very hard to parent. I would cry a lot of the nights knowing my other daughter daughter wasn't there. I think about it now, I'll get emotional, but it was very hard. It was very hard. But my husband, he became the everything. We had a lot of support throughout our community, people dropping off meals for my kids, like sending things in the mail so that they could play with things like while I was, cause it was very scary, you know, to have your mother 
sick and uh, it was just at the beginning and everyone's like, please try to avoid the hospital. And yeah. Did you end up in the hospital or I didn't end up in the hospital? We um, had a pulse ox on me from like day one. And there were days that were like, we're going, we're going, we're finally going, but I never ended up going. So just hard to get emotional. It's just coming up on a year of it. So it's, it's a, I don't know. (laughs) It's a time right now. And when you got it was the time we didn't really know what was, you know, what it was all about. It was, wow. From that, did you like make any changes in your life or pivot like life things because you realized like, oh my gosh, my health, like I have to slow down. You know, were there things that you decided to do differently because of that? Yes. And I'm still, to be honest with you, working on it because every single doctor has told me I need to slow down. I'm one of those wonderful long haulers that people are reading about. And so I'm not back to hundred percent health. And if I don't take time for myself and, you know, slow down and all that, it is going to continue to affect my health. So, and I, I'm actually been forced to slow down, even though I don't want to, and I'm, I'm trying to do better at it. I will tell you, like, if you were to <laughs> say to anyone else, you know, how do you think she's doing? They probably would give me a D in terms of that, but I'm really, I am trying. I am trying, which is better than an F. <laughs> uh, but, um, Welcome you know, to being type A. Yeah. I don't know your type at all. I know, I know, I'm sure. It's hard, it's hard. But when you do have health scares and all of that, I continue to work because it makes me feel good. And I I like helping other people. But then, you know, what they say is like, if you go down, the ship goes down. So, and that's in life, in your family life, that's in your business too. So, and I see that it's hard, but I'm really working on it. And it's hard to slow down when you have so much momentum. So did you hire more team members? Like, how are you able to keep up, but still slow down? Yeah. I mean, I think again, one of the wonderful things about COVID was, you know, we had people where we weren't working necessarily with as many clients. So we weren't juggling as much uh, for the first time ever, but I have hired a lot more people. We've changed our, again, our processes, just trying to, again, tweak things as best we can so that, you know, giving more responsibility to people, again, it's still a work in progress, but we continue to have wonderful clients and big jobs and all of that. So that hasn't slowed down, but you might have to wait a little bit longer, you know, because we are so busy right now, which I find has been happening around like the interior design industry and other industries that we work alongside because, you know, supply chains are off still and things are just, people are like, they've been in their homes and they're still in their homes, but they're like, I want to do something about it. And so- (laughs) Hi, we have an architect coming today because we're like, we need more space. Like I had my third kid during COVID. So right at the beginning of the pandemic, had kid number three and being home, five of us plus a nanny, I'm like, we need a bigger house, but we're not going to move. So what can we do? So I totally get it. And you just stare at your like space and you're like, oh, this makes me feel like I I feel claustrophobic or it's cluttered. Right. I mean, I always say there's a connection between the physical stuff that we have and the emotional (laughs) stuff. And then that's whether that's productivity or you want to be in a space and feel less stressed or, you know, you're, you're making so many meals. Like all of us have been so at home and, you know, obviously with children, like I feel like I'm in the (laughs) kitchen all day long, but putting systems into place, having it be that other people can help, or even putting stuff on the grocery list or, you know, having your desk organized so that even if it's going to get messy, which I tell people, there's a difference between being neat and being organized. My desk is messy right now. You can't see that, but my desk is messy, but it's organized in a sense that at the end of the day, I know where things are going to go. I'm going to set myself up so that tomorrow when I come back and start working again, I'm going to feel that much more productive and that better and 
you know, starting my day off organized because I know I'm not going to be able to control a lot that's going to go on in the, during the day. So if we can't get you into our house because you're also in Washington, D.C., so <laughs> what, what are guess, a couple things like us as busy moms or and then are at home or that are working from home can maybe do just today to kind of clear up some of that stuff or feel more productive or feel more, quote, organized? What are maybe some of the top common things you see across the board and things we can execute on today? Well, good question. I would say, first of all, give yourself some grace. That's not an organizing, you know, advice in that way, but we have all so much going on with kids home, with your juggling work, you know, anything like that. I would just say, give yourself some grace. Don't try to say, oh my gosh, my pantry should be organized just as I see it on Instagram or Pinterest, because it's going to be such a more, it's just going to be such a struggle. And I, I hate that for people. I want organization to be something that is making their lives more simplistic because there's so much else going on or helps them function better as a family. Whatever your, your thing is, I want organization to help with that. Not that it becomes this big chore. I think it should be a way of life. But things you can do today are, you know, find that one area in your house. Maybe it's not even in a room because a room might be completely over overwhelming (laughs) for most people, but find that one space and say, all right, can I declutter it? So, and take five minutes. That's all it takes. I'm serious. Five minutes in a drawer or 10 minutes in a drawer, set your phone, set a microwave, whatever it is, and go through there and say, what haven't I used in the last year? What, what doesn't bring me joy, you know, according to Marie Kondo or what have, what do I not love or use anymore? Especially with those children, things change very rapidly. You know, you know how quickly they grow out of clothes or toys, go through with that one area, maybe it's a toy bin and say, you know what, what are the last times that, you know, little Sammy has used this toy truck. If it hasn't been in that year, Sammy's probably not going to pick it up. And Sammy's onto another toy at that point. Which I beg to argue is when they see that toy again, they're like, oh my goodness. So that happens all the time. My playroom does not bring me joy. My playroom like literally gives me anxiety, but it's almost so overwhelming. I don't even know how to tackle it. Yeah. And so then I just close the door and (laughs) pretend it's not there. Look, I think again, if your kids are playing with everything and you as a parent know that more, I would say that to my clients, you know, your children best, not me, then keep that, but give a system for it. You know, if they're not young enough or if they're too young and they can't read yet, put a picture of like the dinosaur on the bin and so that they know, and that you start a process. Okay. When it's before nap time, we're going to put all the dinosaurs back in this and do it with them. Kids that go to preschool or daycare in that age, they know that there are categories. So I say, you know, home doesn't have to look like a daycare or a preschool, but at that age, they're already getting in the habit of organizing things by category. They're hanging their jacket and their bag on a hook. Maybe put a hook that's removable in your house so that they can do the same thing, accessible at their level. And they know all the crayons go together, all the markers, all the Play-Doh, whatever it is, mimic those systems at home because then they're going to be easier to keep up, especially, you know, don't expect your... I don't know, four-year-olds to be stacking things alphabetically or putting things in color order because that's too much. That's too much for adults, right? A lot of adults. And so make sure you're putting techniques into place, putting systems that can be changed over time, that can be looked at, but that can be actually accessible to the children or anyone else in your house. So how do you encounter then the hoarder, the one who's like, oh, wait, but I want that. Like even with adults, like when you're organizing and clearing I'm sure the adults are involved in the process because you're not just going to get rid of stuff or reorganize clutter. You're going to get rid of things. How do you get them to like emotionally let go of stuff? 
Well, it's different for children and adults, although the same concepts, you know, come into play. So with children, for example, I think as a parent, you need to do some guidance if you can. So if they have 50 stuffed animals and you're like, you know what, we're only going to keep 30 or we're going to, yeah, and then you keep whittling it down. Maybe it's around the times of birthdays or holidays when more stuff is coming in, right? If the new and shiny objects really can <laughs> play to your advantage as the parent when stuff is coming in and you need to let go of things, because maybe they're going to, you're going to say, all right, well, we have five new stuffies. How can we get, let go of five other ones? And those five other ones, you don't have to say we're going to donate them or trash them, but maybe they're going to a younger cousin or maybe they're going to a shelter. And, you know, they might not understand what a shelter is, but if you're getting into this habit and the systems, they are then going to say, okay, you know what? We're doing this every birthday. We're doing this every Christmas. We're, we're realizing that this is the way of life here because more stuff is coming in and we need to let go of the other stuff. And I think, again, make it a fun game put on a get, give them ice cream, give them a reward afterwards. You know, you can give them $2 and you guys get to choose something at the store that you can bring home. That's new, have their input. Again, my children are 13. They have uh, (laughs) opinions on the bins that we use or the, you know, things that we use. I'm going to let them choose what they want at this point, because it's not worth the fight. I'd rather the thing be organized rather than me. If I don't like the look of something, if that makes sense. So I don't love how they're storing their necklaces. It, is not how I would store my necklaces, but they're storing their necklaces so they're organized and I'm letting them take ownership of it. I think it's just sort of a give and take. For sentimental stuff, can you display it? You know, for adults, like we have a lot of clients, they've got like their grandmother's china, for example, and they don't use it and it's in the basement. And so I will say to them, can we let go of it? Oh, no, no, it has all these memories. And so I will say to them, is there something that we can photograph so that you can like look through a book and see all sentimental things that that book can go on your coffee table, for example, but you don't have to hold on to the physical thing. Because I think a lot of people think if I let go of that physical thing out with the memories, out with everything that I think about of that person or whatever the object is, but I think it's not that case. I think the memories and everything like that will stay. You could use maybe one of the soup bowls, for example, in your front entry for your keys and then keep only a few pieces, for example, of the China and let go of the rest or sell the rest. Because I think there's other ways to incorporate these things. A lot of people just have it in a box, laying around. They're not even looking at it. So then it comes the question, what, why are we storing it? That's, I feel like you're, you're talking like my husband because he's like, Stephanie, you have so much stuff in our garage. And like, just the thought of having to move things out. He's like, why do we just keep moving around boxes when you haven't opened them? Like, I think I have honestly high school textbooks in our garage or like Care Bears from when I was five, but I'm like, but our kids might like it. Or like my old American girl doll, like there's so much just nonsense that just keeps getting moved from one location to another in boxes. Right. And then you pay for it to be moved and all of that. Because the Care Bear example, I think that's a great example. Maybe if there's five Care Bears, you pick the best one, right? And then that's the one that you're going to give your kids to play with. But like, or the high school textbooks, think about it. Have you ever looked back at them? You know, the question is, I mean, the answer probably is no. No. (laughs) So then I would say to you, well, why are you care? And those are heavy, right? They're heavy. So don't be paying a mover to like ship those to the next house, let those go and give them off to, you know, I don't even know if they're using those same textbooks now. Doubtful. Uh, And everything's online, but it's like, I don't know why I'm like the what if person. I'm like, well, what if we need that jacket? A lot of people are. And I always say that, especially for women who have had babies, I will take myself, for example, I had twins. My body does not look like it did, you know, when, before I had these children and never will go back to its form. (laughs) And I, you know, I, but I, so I, 
say to myself, like, well, why did I hold on to that? You know, because when your body, let's say it's after baby, you're not going to reach for that same thing anymore. You're going to want to put something on you that makes you feel good and makes you feel better than putting that, you know, trying to stuff yourself into that small dress, right. From high school, it's just not going to. And then that high school dress is taking up a lot of physical space in your closet and then emotional space. Cause you're going, Oh my gosh, I don't look the same. I have to lose 20 pounds. You know, so all these things sort of relate. And so why not let it go? If you can get some money for it, great. If not, donate it, get the tax, you know, right off. And then you're freeing up your physical space and your emotional space to actually put a dress in there that you feel good wearing and feel good putting on. So true. On that note of giving away things, where are your favorite places to kind of donate or to sell things? So we, I, they're all local right now. Okay. And I, I like a lot of donation places. So there's Thread Up, which is a national thing um, that if anyone listening could do. So what you can do is they literally send you a bag. All you have to do is put your stuff in the bag and then send it away. And that is donation or not donation that you can sell your well, they stuff. They donate the rest that they, they don't. Yeah. The Right. And so look, I always tell people, you're not going to be coming rich off of all those clothes and you can actually do kids clothes, I think still, but it is a way to get that stuff out of your house all in one way, you know, thing, and then make something for it. If you are feeling guilty for letting those things go, there's also the real real, which is for more high end items that I know is national too, that we use. And that is a great place. They will actually come to you. So there's really no excuse. And if you don't, we've been doing contactless pickups, you can leave it outside. And then that's clothing items. And then donation items, I'm sure everyone listening has a local donation pickup place where it doesn't cost you a cent for them to come and pick up the items. And again, now during COVID, they're doing, you can leave everything at the door, people will get a tax donation receipt. But again, it's letting go of that physical stuff that you do not need that you do not want anymore. And then saying, okay, I'm going to get the tax donation, you know, right up and or if you want to do something like a Craigslist, which I know obviously is national or another selling site, free cycle, you know, those are great too. I just say, don't spend a lot of time doing those things. Like a lot of people want to do eBay or something like that. You have to have things that are going, what's your, you know, cost of your time. You have to think about that first. If you have something that's going to sell for $10, but it's going to take you an hour to measure it and put the pictures up, that's probably not worth your time. So think about how much time you want to spend and the value of your clothes. I always start clothes or items, whatever it is you're trying to sell or donate. But I always say in terms of consignment, think about it as one fourth the cost of what you paid for it. that's being on, you know, on average of what people get back. So if you paid a hundred dollars for those beautiful shoes, you probably are only going to get 25. It's sad, but you know what, if there's scuffs on those shoes, if all that kind of stuff, that's great. Great. You're going to get $25 back for it. Again, it varies through, through uh, different consignment places, but you're right. It's totally time value of money there. Like, is it worth the time to do all that stuff? So to kind of, by the way, you have now inspired me to really start organizing my house and clearing. My husband keeps telling me, he's like, our daughter's one now, get rid of all her baby stuff. We're never having, we're not having more babies, get rid of it. And I keep holding on. I'm like, well, maybe I'll give it to a friend who's having a baby. He's like, just get it out of our house. Yeah. I mean, I think you can, right. But then don't have it wait so long that, you know, you procrastinate, procrastinate because you can't find the right friend or you can't find the right cousin or whoever it is to give it away. are plenty of places I'm sure near you that have, you know, mother and children's shelters or whatever it is that would love that stuff. So that's why I said, just don't have that be the hindrance because there are so many to do's after it. Right. And so whether you have to go and drop it off or 
just let it go. It served you well through, you know, three children or two, however many children and you have your children and the stuff can be let go so that you can bring other things in and or leave the space free. I always say uh, stuff will absolutely build up, especially with children because they come with a lot of stuff. Exactly. Well, to wrap this up, I wanted to ask, what do you think is your mom's superpower that you gained once you became a mom? Or like, what is your superpower in life that you gained once you became a mom? I became much more detail oriented and able to multitask. Is that possible to be more detail oriented? You know, I think it, it it's, it's, you think of yourself in a way, obviously, and then you have children, right? And I had twins. And so it was like, at the same time, they just I'm like, how am I going to do this? But it actually, I think I believe more in myself now as a mom than I ever did as a single person. I have so much more confidence in myself. You know, I'm like, if I can have twins, I can do anything, right? And that's a business that's in life. If you can raise humans, I don't think many people or as many people give as much, I don't know, applause, whatever it is, or thought to that as being a mother. I feel like that needs to be talked about a lot more because that is a superpower. You are raising humans, little humans and guiding them and all of that. So I do think that came out, you know, once I became a mother that I didn't know was inside me. Nice. And where can we find you online? Online. My website is rachelrosenthal.co. And then I'm on Instagram a lot at Rachel organizes. And those are the two main places I hang out. I do have a blog and a newsletter on the website and the blog, you know, goes up weekly and the newsletter monthly. So I hope everyone comes and finds me. And besides, I was going to say in person, are you still doing any virtual stuff? Are you still like training or anything? So I work with other organizers. I'm a coach for other organizers. So if any other organizers are out there, I do coach and I do have a website or a a Facebook group of other organizers, but I have a course, an online course. So if someone is looking to get organized, you can find that on my website. So it's a guide to get organized of your entire home and that you can find on my website, but that's the only thing I'm doing virtually as of the moment. I work with brands and things like that, but in terms of the organizing side of it, there's that one course and then unfortunately only in the Washington DC area for now until we can travel all safely. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you very much for having me. It was so fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.